I'm going to pull lessons from kind of that experience for the rest of my life. But the main one for me was somebody asked me a couple of years back, like, what's one thing you've gone all in on in your life? And I just didn't have an answer. And to me, I wanted to do something that was relatively not comfortable, relatively not new to me or like didn't grow up with and go all in on. And to me, like, you know, going around the world and learning from different people through racing was like the perfect outlet for that. Did you know that we each lose a different amount of electrolytes in our sweat, largely based on our genetics? That means that there's no one size fits all perfect sports drink for everybody because we each have unique needs. That's why we at Solpre developed the Sync Hydration System, a series of sports drinks to help match you with the personal level of electrolytes that you need. If you'd like us to help you match with your perfect sports drink, go to solpre.com slash hydration dash quiz. That's solpre.com slash hydration dash quiz. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Funk. My guest today is the youngest person has the world record for being the youngest person to complete an Ironman on six different continents. Um, I think he'd make it seven if he possibly could. Welcome to the show, Connor Emini. Thanks, Jesse. So uh, so good to be here. Excited to, to get a good chat going and, um, you know, reminisce on on the last two years of, of the journey. So I, I know the question that most people will want to ask you. And I think you answered this in this kind of like short documentary bio thing um, that was done with a photographer uh, about your journey is like, you know, why are you doing this? And I think you say something about like, you're not really sure why, which I think to most people would be uh, a little unfathomable. Like it doing a single Ironman is typically like a pinnacle for many people, let alone doing six of them, let alone on six different continents. Um, so have you had any more epiphanies about that? Or is it still just, it doesn't really matter why I just continue forward? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm going to pull lessons from kind of that experience for the rest of my life. But the main one for me was, somebody asked me a couple of years back, like, what's one thing you've gone all in on in your life? And I just didn't have an answer. And to me, I wanted to do something that was relatively not comfortable, relatively not new to me, or like didn't grow up with and go all in on. And to me, like, you know, going around the world and learning from different people through racing was like the perfect outlet for that. Um, and obviously came with so many challenges, but really to me it's about like hunting a dream going all in on it and no matter what obstacle comes your way you're you're equipped with the tools to overcome that so that was kind of what what i set out to do and um you know that's kind of the the main reason why and i think underlining the why is like in such a fragile state in the world i think the world needs more dreamers now than ever before so it's instead of saying to my friends, like, we got this, it's like, actions speak louder than words. And, and if I can do it, then then so can you. 
you know, I, I would uh, agree with you wholeheartedly that we need more people pursuing their dreams, which is, I think, tough because we get so much advice about like, you know, what's the common path? Go to college, get a job, have a family, you know, like, and I'm doing many of those things. So I'm not trying to like bash those things because there's value in those things as well. Um, you know, any longtime listeners of the podcast know I have a getting close to three month old baby now. And, and that's a whole challenge of its own, which I'm happy to be a part of. But like, I, you know, I spent nearly a decade uh, post-college, like chasing my dreams of like professional triathlon and knowing that it was going to pay basically nothing, you know, just that, that that was something that I needed to do as a person. But it does kind of like you lead me to that point of like, why don't more people go after the thing that they dream about? You know, like it, I know that I, I, like I said, from a practical standpoint, bills have to be paid. Like you got to have food to eat, those kind of things. But I think now more than ever, it seems like people are finding resourceful ways to live kind of an unconventional life, so to speak. And I guess the part I've always struggled with when people go, nah, I'm just going to be practical is like, you only live once like you yeah. only got one shot through as far as we know you only got one shot through like what do you have to lose the whole experience i mean you have your life to lose mm -hmm. yeah i i resonate with that it's like you know i when when i kind of left to do this triathlon goal right i on paper was, you know, had a great job, was working in a super cool tech company. Um, it really enjoyed it actually. But to me, it was like, if I don't take this leap and scratch this itch that I'm thinking about every day, when am I going to do that? And, you know, when I, when I look back on it and kind of just, when I would talk to some of my friends, like the whole idea of building your life resume versus your paper resume is what stood out to me. So you know, you can always go get more accolades. You can always go back to school. And I'd say that obviously from a, a state of privilege, I know a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to school, but there really is an infinite amount of learning and resources online to continue your education. But there's a fine amount of time to go out and experience what the world has to offer. And I think the earlier you can do that, um, the more perspective you can gain on the world, the more serendipitous opportunities come you run into somebody you never scheduled to meet or plan and they prevent present an opportunity or an idea that leads you onto that path that you're supposed to be on well i think that is the i don't know if it's scariest but just maybe one of the most daunting things but also as you said like serendipitous or or hopeful things about like taking that leap is that now with the caveat that maybe this is survivor bias for survivorship bias here, but just like, I feel like I know so many people that found opportunities they wouldn't have otherwise had they not taken the leap or like we were talking about um, 
before the podcast got going, you said, well, why did you even start the podcast? Well, I mean, mm-hmm. from a practical standpoint of like, well, I wanted to like, you know, give value to my customers and send them content every week. But through taking that leap, which doesn't seem like a lot, but just as somebody who's particularly introverted and then meeting like strangers online, it, it was, you know, really daunting in the beginning. But taking that leap, I've had the opportunity to, to talk and meet with you. I've never would like... I will say never, but very unlikely we'll have ever met you otherwise. Or, you know, we talked about, I got to have a conversation with Mark Allen and, and all these other really cool people on the show. Um, just scroll through the Rolodex of the show for you, the listener. Um, it, and that's just like a small example, you know, let alone like the doors that doing this challenge for you is probably open to people that you've talked to, the opportunities and things that you've seen that if you had just decided, oh, I'm just going to sit at my desk job, like it never would have happened. Yeah. And it's, you know, it was, um, it was kind of like the craziest, most challenging, frustrating, you know, financially draining decision I've ever made, but, and even taxing on the body, but like the most fulfilling, the most rewarding and I think what's rooted in, in triathlon or endurance sports is this, no matter what else is going on in your life or, or how difficult it is, you have this constant of I'm getting up and I'm putting out X amount of hours to train every day and that's making me better. So just this discipline of like getting up, focusing on a goal, whatever it is, and knowing that it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to show up to a race unprepared. Um, you know, a race is really just a reflection of all the work that's been put in beforehand. So to me, it was like having this one constant through a pandemic, through, you know, life challenges, through X, Y, Z of like, I know no matter what, if a race gets canceled, I'm still going out and swimming that day or running that day or biking that day. And I found that really gave me a a really great sense of purpose, um, irrespective of, you know, the, the, the bigger goal that I was trying to achieve. That's something that, you know, I, I just shot a video, um, you know, speaking to runners specifically. So if you're on the YouTube version of the podcast, you can check that out. If you're not, you can go to youtube.com slash soulpre. Um, but that constant, sometimes having that constant is a double-edged sword, not to poo-poo your, your suggestion, because I absolutely agree. But just then, like, if you get injured, the lack of that constant can be difficult for people because they're so used to that being their like North star of this is the thing that gets me through. And then now I'm going to have to look it up because as we were talking about before I got going, I'll start guests start becoming a blur to me. Um, previous conversation. I'll, I'll figure it out here in a second. Yeah. I think it was Tim Pereira uh, from last week, episode 169 um, talking about just like, decoupling the activity from your identity yeah and then like so like taking your idea of that you swim bike run whatever it is as your north star that like constant in your life and then figuring out like the feeling that goes along with that whatever it is whether it's just like having an activity that's constant or whether it's the endurance sport itself or um your confidence in yourself to overcome challenges and then like taking that and knowing that even if you're injured you can apply that 
that thing that gives you the, you know, the kind of reassurance to other areas. I, I think I always feel like that's a challenge of mine, but like the kind of the next step or the next evolution of, of it, whether you can or can't, you know, continue doing your thing is like thinking about what does it say about me, even if I can't do the activity? Yeah. And the, the way that, that my brain kind of processes it is like, you know, yes, you, you can be identified as the Ironman or, you know, the ultra runner or whatever your kind of craft is. But, um, you know, I read, I read this book called the power of habit, I think by Charles Duhigg and really like we are, just a product of what we repeatedly do. Right. And so if you do get injured and, you know, now your identity is like shattered, right? Like, Oh, I got to put this on hold for six months or however long. Like, I think that can affect a lot of people, but if you can kind of have the perspective of look at all the good traits I built, all of the, like the discipline I built and how I can shift that from, okay, no, now I spent an hour swimming every day. Like, let me spend an hour writing or reading every day and kind of educating myself about how I can become the best version of me. So just like having that mindset of discipline over kind of excitement or motivation, I think it will always prevail. That's where like, I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I wonder whether I get too esoteric about some of these things where it's like, and just go run. Like it's, it's fine, you know, but I mean, I made this that's why twice this morning, I think podcast. Cause I want to like have these conversations about like, let's think about what, like what life lessons running is teaching me. <laughs> you know, it, I think it is important to have that, that North star, whatever it is. And, you know, so for you, the listener, if you don't like running or you don't like triathlon or what, like find your thing. I like that. I don't care whether you like the same thing that I like, you know, maybe you like badminton or, you know, you, you like playing an instrument or whatever, whatever it is, doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, but just having something that I like to think of as habit. I think you said something about like getting past that, like energy required for motivation or like moving more towards discipline, like, having a habit of some sort, I think grounds me, you know, whether I'm able to, you know, do all the mileage I want to do or not. So I guess that leads me to the question of like, clearly there's a lot of time spent on the journey. Is this simply a, a, a like a, what do I want to say? an extension or like a pivot from who you were as a kid, or is this like comes out of nowhere and suddenly you're just doing all these Ironmans? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, really the the funny story of how, you know, triathlon kind of started was, yeah, I played, you know, most sports growing up as mostly competitive um, hockey. And um, when it came to, after high school, I was deciding between pursuing hockey in the States um, or I got into a good business program in Canada and I came to this cross bridge of like, which one am I going to do? I didn't really see like 
hockey kind of progressing past that next stage and decided to you know focus on my education and in that first year of university I was like what other sports can I try like always love trying new things right and my my friends two of my friends and I that I went to high school with went to the same university um, we're like let's try out for the rowing team let's try out for the triathlon team we decided to try out for the triathlon team and pretty quickly um you know one of them couldn't swim didn't pass the swim test the other one his bike tire popped on the bike ride and here I was like crossing the finish line like the only one of the three of us but something about it just like pulled my attention I was like wow like you mean you could do three different disciplines or three different sports in one race like that was so exciting to me it was mm-hmm. so new to me but the grounding thing was like I liked the people that I met in that tryout and I think this would have gone so differently if I didn't right and it really comes down to like what you're saying about finding your north stars find the people you align with because you can always get better at at something if you are excited to show up right so to me, I just kept showing up and my other two friends didn't and I made new friends and one of them, his name was um, Ben Rudson and he, uh, him and I would compete head to head and then he came up, went off and came 14th at Kona for our age group and, you know, Ironman World Championships and I was like blown away. I was just like, wow, like how, how the heck did he do that? And I found like if this ordinary person could do an extraordinary thing, like why can't I do that? And so really he kind of gave me this idea of like, if he can do it, I can do it. And and I hope that like me is a sim- similar principle to other people around me. If, you know, I can do it, then you can do it kind of thing as well. I, you know, you mentioned like find the people you align with. I, I think, especially um, for if you, the listener or like a fellow introverted personality, you know, we, keep we tend to keep a few close friends and that's about it I, but i think we often undervalue like casual connections mm. and there's i think there's a lot of value in those like maybe they're just like the people you like you said maybe it's just there's a, like i know a gym i go to there's a triathlon class maybe you just see them at triathlon class you don't like hang out on the weekend or do what that's fine like that's perfectly fine and like you said i i think there's some value in having those people as like almost like accountability buddies like they'll be like hey where were you like Mm -hmm. you know so when if maybe you were feeling a little uh down or you're like "Ah, i'm not sure if i want to go go hit the pool today you're like oh no like i know i know jimmy and susan are gonna want to know where i am so i'm gonna go and then you end up feeling fine which you get going it especially in this time of like more remote work and i mean like what you're doing now what i do uh with that freedom comes some loss i think of those casual connections and i i am a big proponent of remote work so i'm not not like one of those people is like, get everybody back in the office, different, you know, horses for courses, as they say. Um, but I do think it's, a, if you're not getting that casual connection at work, like, I think it's worth seeking out some other place. Cause I think even if it doesn't necessarily help you towards like becoming an Ironman, 
like I think it has value for you as a person. Like you said, working on like your your resume as a person, not just like your CV to hand out to employers. Yeah, and to me, like what it what kind of lured me in, right? And and I guess we can we can kind of chat about the kind of progression, but really like after joining that triathlon team and seeing Ben go off and do this thing, it, it kind of lit this fire in me that, that I had it in me as well. And, you know, I, I didn't know when I would do it, but I just had this like inkling and gut feeling that I could do it. And so I texted him in 2016 when he went off and did that. And I was like, by 2020, I'm going to do my first Ironman. And then, you know, I didn't really know him well, but like you said, it has this like accountability metric now. And, I'm a big believer in if you say you're going to do something then do it. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of was always in the back of my mind. And then I kind of put things on hold, went a whole different kind of path. I got a job as like as a beer representative, you know, like promoting uh, a beer company kind of throughout my, my four years in university. And it was kind of a hard thing to try and, you know, wake up hungover and then do a, do like a 2k or two mile <laughs> swim. Right. So yeah, I, I, uh, I kind of put it on the back burner, but, um, you know, what I did like and kind of the grounding was back to running. And I always found like, no matter what I, I could go out and do a run and, and just feel better or sweat out, sweat out, whatever kind of, you know, was on my mind or, or just like get this fresh air of, okay, everything's, everything's okay. Right. And until people, they have meditation they have, um, their outlets. And to me, it was always running. So kind of just stuck the course with that. And before I knew it, I, I was doing, you know, half marathon marathon, then I did an ultra marathon. And then before I knew it, I was like, wow, this is something that I, I just really like to see what I'm capable of. Right. And you fall back into this group of, okay, now you're showing up at these, these marathons and ultra marathons, you meet someone, they tell you about another race. You're like, Oh, I think I can do that. Right. And that's where I met this guy named John Pockler and he's a, you know, big, big ultra runner in the scene. And, um, really like we just kind of hit it off on, on this long run. And before I knew it, I ended up, he asked me to crew for him to crew, the Bruce Trail, which is Canada's oldest and longest marked footpath, 900 kilometers. And so for nine days, 17 hours and two minutes, I drove this camper van and ran beside him, swapping with my brother. So I ran 50K a day while he ran 100K and then got to witness firsthand just this incredible human feat of running 100K a day, being shattered, being broken, but showing up and doing it again. And I think like witnessing just something so crazy like that automatically will change your your wiring in your brain of what you think your threshold is and what's possible and you know a month later I went out and ran my first 100 kilometers and I was like man like you know we're so much more capable of doing things than than we ever perceived so really is the lesson here is like you just become a product of your environment so if you're interested in something like go out and search for the people that are doing it on a daily basis and you'll eventually kind of either learn that you can do it or, or can do something that was much further um, along than you thought you could do. I mean, I, I've come back to this a number of times and, and you hear this, but like, it, it's so true. They're like, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. 
Yeah. So like, if you want to be better and you hang out with a bunch of people, like it, it comes with a caveat that like, if, you know, like you said, you were a beer rep and you were going to parties on it. If that's what you want to do, go for it, man. Like I, I, it, that's the thing where I go, if you're not hurting anybody and that's what you want to do, do it. Like, you know, no judgment, but if you want to do something else and like all your friends go out and party every weekend and are gaining weight and they're not exercising and you want to go do an Ironman, like you're probably going to have to get a different set of friends mm. just because what are you more likely to do? Like you're probably going to go party and then it's going to be tough to get up and go do the workout and be accountable to yourself versus like if all, you know, you're in this, group of people that they do get up every morning and they go run 20k or they put in their three to 5k in the pool or whatever it is like it makes it easier it just makes it so much easier and like you said like there's something powerful about seeing somebody do the things not just like hearing about it because like i mean I know people that have finished Ironmans. I did, I raced 70.3s towards the end of my triathlon career. Never did the fulls because I didn't really have any interest in it because I like going faster. Um, I really prefer the Olympic distance. I just don't have the talent for it. Um, so like, I know people, I've seen it done, but that's different. Like I know inherently it would be like you and I would have a way different relationship if I had followed you to each of the, races and seeing you complete every single one of them like there i know the difficulty of finishing an iron man let alone six on six continents but there's something like visceral about being physically present for whatever so i i can only imagine the the kind of impact that that you know huge ultra run multi-day ultra run had for you yeah it was it was just mind blowing, right? Like to watch something, you can read about something, you can watch a movie about it, but to to see it tangible in real life, like, and just the pure emotion of like, man, like somebody sleeping for four hours a day is like grimacing every step, but is still finding something within him to do it, you know? And it's like, why? Like nobody knows why. And this is kind of the same journey about me. It's like just a sense of discovery, but kind of on this point, right? Is like, that's Steve Jobs quote, you can't really connect the docs looking forward, but you can connect them looking backwards. When I think about growing up and my first exposure to running, I joined, you know, cross country team in, in grade five, six, seven. And when I was in grade 10, I shared a gym class with Justin Knight, who's, you know, set number seven in the Olympics for the 5k and holds Canada's top 5k or second, second fastest 5k time of all time. And, and Jake Evans on my left, who's like now on the Montreal Canadiens in the NHL. And part of our gym class, we had to run a 5K. Um, and here I was on this cross-country team, you know, not the fastest, but like a little bit more, more in tune with running. So I thought, yeah, I could do this pretty good. We go out, run this 5K. Justin Knight never ran before, goes out and runs sub 15-minute 5K, which was like just absolutely absurd right so this well, is i mean that's fast for any that's fast for anybody let alone just like hey but go out and do it like that's you know 
that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, right? And so there was this this like magical aura about him, right? And we everyone at the school wanted to see him succeed. So they put him on the cross country team that year. He won every single race he entered. He won all of like you know the entire province offsa, and through that got exposure to all the universities. He ended up signing a full ride scholarship to Syracuse. Um, went out and broke all of their records at Syracuse. Um, you know, one freshman athlete of the year, even though their March Madness team went to the final four and he just had this like incredible drive, but like what was so incredible is like, it's just this, this like, undiscovered talent. Right. And I think that there's so much talent within all of us on maybe a smaller scale that we're not like bringing to light because the right environment isn't there to shine light on it. So to me, witnessing that was was pretty incredible. And looking back on it, like I didn't really realize how special it was in the time, but it's um yeah, it's pretty cool to to be around those people early on. And um, you know, I think the more people like that you can surround yourself with or or gravitate towards, like the more you'll look at your own adventures in a different way. I think that's the like I think that's the thing that not the only thing, but maybe one of the things that drives uh, parents to do crazy things with their <laughs> kids and push them too hard is like trying to make that magic happen mm. when it's like, it doesn't necessarily happen that direction. You can go, you, the listener can go back through the catalog and look at like almost any of the conversations that I've had with uh, Olympic athletes over the years. And I, we almost always end up talking about like this kind of topic of like pushing your kids to what do you do? You know, and they'll almost always be like, if they have kids, they'll be like, yeah, I'm not going to push my kids. Like if they want it, they'll figure it out. And, but then on the other side, you'll see like parents be like, Oh, they're going to get a full ride scholarship and I'm going to make sure that, and they're like trying to will their children through the things. And I think that's the tough thing is like, it's, I think you can give them opportunities, but then you can't make the magic happen. Like it, it either appears or it doesn't like in your case, I guess I, I don't know anything about your parents. Um, but I would guess that they weren't like, ah, oh, you need to be just as fast as, you know, that other guy, you, you need to go out and you need to run all the workouts with him and do all those things. Cause that probably, unless I'm wrong about you, probably would have crushed you and then moved you away from running eventually and kind of made it like a toxic item for you. Yeah, for sure. No, um, I think like, so I have two older brothers, um, you know, they're twins, three years older than I am, Alex, Ben, Connor, ABC, and they're, they're both like very competitive. So to me, like, you know, our parents like would just, we never really actually played like super high level, anything like up until, I don't know, like 15 or 16 years old, it was always like house league, like try whatever you want to try. Like I did gymnastics one summer when I was like five years old. Right. And then I was like playing hockey, playing soccer. Um, and even early into school, like in, in where I went to school, like I was on the badminton team, cross country team, rugby team, ping pong club. Like I tried everything. Right. And I think there was never this pressure of like, oh, you had to do triathlon, you had to do hockey. It was just like, what do you like to do? And and like, 
go and, and try it. So I think, yeah, definitely lucky in, in that sense that we got to try a lot of different things. And, um, but I think the really, the really biggest advantage for me was growing up with two older brothers who were three years ahead of me, who just gave me this like, like drive to be, you know, as good or, or better than them. And, um, you know, quickly I, I started playing like three years up in hockey. And, um, I think that like really pushed me to be a better athlete. Um, and just like growing up with two older brothers, you know, you get, you get, you get put into place pretty quickly. So I, I became tough skin pretty early on. And, um, you know, I think what, what changed was they were always better because they were three years older, but I would always show up. And it was like the same thing for everything cross country. I was never the fastest person, but I would always show up and I would try and stay longer. Cause I was like, okay, I'm going to get better. I'm going to be the person that is going to run a little bit longer, one extra lap. And like at the time I didn't really know why I just like felt like it was the right thing to do is like, if I can't beat them in speed, like let me be the last person to leave the practice. And then just kind of like trickled into this endurance realm. And I think that's where, you know, the excitement is for me is like, if you're not the fastest, like, what are you capable of? You know, what, what can you do? How can, how far can you go? And um, yeah, that's kind of what led me to this triathlon and Ironman journey. And um, I don't know, some people think I hit my head along the way, but uh, the last two years were, were pretty, pretty insane and, and happy to to chat through that if you like here. Yeah, I mean, so I guess uh, you don't have to answer this right away. One of the things I want to talk about, about about the journey is just like the practical side of like, how do you fund it? Because like we said, we I think we need more dreamers, but people got to have food, all that kind of things. So I guess walk us through the journey. How did you logistically put it together, um, you know, fiscally, uh logistically in terms of like where am I sleeping at night how am I training where are the facilities like how does this get put together yeah so I think like every everything starts with with a dream for context you know I in 2018 after graduating I joined Uber and was number 17 on Uber Eats helping scale that and then you know by 2020, I was like, I love my job. I love the opportunity, but I had this itch to do the first race. And to me, it was like, I wanted to make it so special. I only thought it would be one Ironman, one and done, because it was a big kind of commitment, right? And so I was like, decided, did some research, decided to go to New Zealand, because that won the gold label award for best Ironman experience. And I knew I wanted to kind of experience that part of the world. So I, uh, I left to move to New Zealand in 2020 and or end of 2019. And the first race was March, 2020. So I had six months to train up to it and uh, actually was able to transfer with Uber long story short, join a different department called jump, which is the electric bikes and scooters. And, you know, it was kind of this because of a visa situation. I was like on this contract where hours were a bit wonky and I was working from, 4 a.m. to 1 p.m. every day because we had to assemble these scooters, get them out into the city before people would start work and, you know, kind of rinse and repeat um, over and over again. And I think like it was an incredible experience because I got to learn so much, but it made it really like 
I didn't have time to go out late anymore. You know, I didn't have time to like kind of drink or socialize. And it was just I, this moment in my life where I was like, I'm working and then I'm training and I'm like, so just dialed in for six months. And I'm like, if I can do this for six months, I can do this, this Ironman. Right. And um, that's kind of, that's kind of how it all started. And, you know, after I crossed the finish line in, in the Ironman, mm-hmm. like I, um, like, I just like felt right away this incredible sense of accomplishment and was just like truly proud of going so far away. I didn't know a single person in New Zealand and like had this experience and it was like so hard for me because I'm a very social person to like not drink, not socialize, not party and like just train. So that's where it all began. But um, 10 days later after that race, you know, COVID hits and I'm stranded in New Zealand um, and then Canada's doing emergency flights back for people. So two, two months later, after trying to stick it out, come back. And I'm like, now what, like, you know, now what do I do? I left my job there. I'm like twiddling my thumbs. And that's where I came across this article of this Australian girl who ran a a marathon in every, or an ultra marathon on every continent. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. Like, I wonder if anyone's done that for the Ironman group and did some research. And there was like, you know, five or six people in the world that have done it or have been recorded doing it. And the youngest was 32 and I was 23 at the time um, when I did my first race. And like, it just kind of, this light bulb moment came off. I was like, I don't know how the heck I'm going to do this. Like there's a pandemic, but like, it's just like, I needed to do it. I needed to just focus and, and like found myself being the best version of myself, showing up in training and having a goal. And like, that's kind of what I, I tell all my friends too, is like, if you're, if you're like trying to be the best person of your, version of yourself, like have something on your calendar you're working towards, even mm-hmm. if it's like a 5k, if it's, you know, a, a musical theater performance, like whatever it is, like just have something 10 weeks out that you have, like thinking about each day. Um, and so, yeah, kind of this year, year and a half, like went by and, or over a year and I didn't do another race. I signed up for some, but they were like canceled, postponed. And then, you know, September 26 rolls around. I was scheduled for Ironman Canada. Um, I moved all the way to BC because it was a little bit more or less restrictive. You know, the pools were open. I could train. And this comes back to your question of like, logistically, how did you make it happen? Yeah. Um, I sought out the best environment for me to succeed. So I went to BC didn't know like another person there again. And it was this environment where I could focus and like just show up and train. And then um, September 26 rolls around and scheduled for Canada 10 days prior, they like canceled the race. And I was just like, Oh man, but they offered us a transfer. And so I transferred to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I was like, okay, I guess this is, this is going. And then, you know, did that and, and like, just felt so alive again. I was like, wow, this was like what I craved, what I wanted and, um, you know, beat my previous time. Um, and I was like, okay, like we're, we're in it. We're back to it. Like I had this goal and I, and I wanted to do it. And then like, I was like, I don't know what this window looks like before the world kind of goes back onto lockdown. So let me see, like, I felt good physically. I was like, let me see what other races I can do. And then there was, you know, September 26th, there was a race in like three weeks in Mallorca, Spain. And I was like, 
okay, I got to go there for, for Europe. And then like September, October, November was Africa. And I was like, man, this is going to be like the tightest window of all time. But <laughs> like, I, I, I like, I just felt like I needed to do it. Right. And, and, and that like everything I had, like I lived, you know, on people's couches and it was just like everything I saved from Uber was like going to that. I was leveraging credit cards. And like, you talk about financing. I was like, in hindsight, it wasn't the smartest idea. And, <laughs> and I think like may have felt a little bit rushed, but at the same time, it was like, if not now, when, you know, right. like I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm the most motivated I've ever been. And, you know, I felt like I could always go back to this corporate world but I could never take this like kind of dedicated time to pursue a dream. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just like made it work. I used credit cards. I was like, whatever I have to do, I'm going to do it. And I picked up jobs, just like worked three odd jobs just to pay my rent or like pay friends to sublet off of their places. Like it was just like everything I had was going towards this goal. Um, and that, that kind of just like, is how it unfolded for those for those first four. Um, I know I'm I'm doing a lot of talking, but is there anything? No, no, you're fine. Keep going. Okay, you're is good. There, if there's anything you want to be the, to lean in on, or yeah, or... I'll interject if I if there's a a particular question, but okay, Go ahead. yeah, I just I guess with the so <clears throat> I mean we had different goals, but just like you hear this I think again maybe it's just that this is the path I chose so then I have the you know the bias but like young people should be pursuing their dreams like they, it can change the path of your life I think for the better I mean I started this company because I was doing triathlon like and through all that swimming like I got a rash on my face because of the chlorine and started the swim line and that led to more product just like i wouldn't have started this company had i not decided to do this stupid thing and try to get my pro card like <laughs> you know yeah. i wouldn't have been spending hours upon hours in the pool and you know i, I probably still have a good life but it, it would be different and so like it, it's always nice to meet other people that like have that realization as as a young person i'm still relatively young i'm only 33 but had that realization as a young person like like we talked about i don't remember whether this was part of the recorded conversation or or before we were recording but just like i said you got one shot through yeah you know and things this is my business mentor said this to me the other day when he was here helping me with some stuff um because of our new baby he's like things only get busier and more complicated as time goes on so yeah. like when you're trying to take on a big goal, especially like this one, do it when you're young, like you've got more time to screw up. Like it's, and which isn't to be admonishing to like older people, because if you want to do something, you should still do it. Maybe now you've got the resources to do it. And you don't have to put things on credit cards like Connor did, yeah. but just like, I don't know. It, I feel like life is here to be lived and sometimes we play it a little safe. Like, I don't know, for fear of consequences that are not as big as they, 
they seem in our minds. Yeah. And man, like, don't get me wrong. It was it, it like, it was so hard. It was so hard for me because, you know, I didn't know how I was going to fund the next trip. And then, you know, like just things happen. Right. So for example, like fourth race, um, going to, to Africa and like, everything's good. But on the way back, like I, I leave Johannesburg fly, it's connecting flight through Amsterdam and then going back to Toronto where, where I was flying through in Canada and like test negative, you know, do all, all that quarantine stuff. And then as I'm landing for the, the connecting flight in Amsterdam, they go on the PA and they're like, there's a new variant of, of COVID coming out. Um, and I was like, all right, like, what, what does that mean? And then they're like, we, we don't have any information, but we're going to put you on the tarmac five hours. We're on this tarmac. And then they come back on the PA and say, um, we're, we're sorry to say, but like this plane has been contaminated and there's people here that probably have the variant. They put us into bus buses into like an ostracized wing of the airport and test, you know, 600 passengers because there's two planes coming from Africa. And sure enough, like, you know, 28 hours go by. It was a movie. Like, you know, they said they're going to bring out beds for everyone because it was overnight. There was like families, you know, they brought like six sleeping bags for 600 passengers. And I've never seen the human race, like just so aggressive towards each other. You know, like there was no food, there's no water. And they're like pulling sleeping bags from kids with their family and just like sleeping on their own. It was like, so it was so hostile, this environment, but the story was like 600 people. My brother and I were on this on this plane. 60 of us tested tested um, positive for this new variant. So my brother and I actually tested positive. So we get sent to this like isolated hotel, and they nicknamed it Hotel Omicron, and we were there for two weeks, right? And like this was just part of this story of like, man, you you go from feeling like you're invincible, running an Ironman, and then the next day you're like testing positive for this something that could potentially kill you and you don't know right and it's like we were guinea pigs they literally injected needles into us took our blood tested us for 14 days straight and luckily we, we were okay and recovered and all that jazz but like that was just one example of okay this was like a big scare like let's let's not continue um you know maybe maybe like slow it down but to me i was like so determined and maybe just like bullishly determined to complete this thing that I was like, when's the next race? It was the only thing that was keeping me like excited and, and energetic about like anything that was going on in the world. Cause everyone I talked to was complaining or like, you know, I, I just like, I can't work. I can't do this. I can't do this. Like I'm not going to work because X, Y, Z. And I was just like, Oh, like I can't be around this. Right. Like I need to like, just, just train. So, um, yeah, and then I signed up for for the Philippines, and I was actually scheduled for Taiwan, but um, the race got canceled, and they transferred me to the Philippines. Um, and this was March sixth, um, so almost you know like a full year to the day, or full two years to the day of my first race, and now we're on number five. And it was like, it was actually the most stressful race I've ever had because. I, as I was flying there, my bike didn't arrive. It got sent to Korea when I was landing in Philippines on a connecting and there was like, got rerouted back for some reason. So I arrived and I had 72 hours before the race. Um, 
And I was like, I just spent 17 hours flying here. I don't have my bike. What am I going to do? The race starts at 72 hours. And the, all these emotions go through your brain, right? Of like, man, mm. just call it, call it a day. Like you're, it's just not meant to be X, Y, Z. So mm. I was like, I can't, I can't, like I have to finish this race. Like, so I called every bike shop that was in the city to try and find a bike. And, you know, like my partner back in Canada was like on the phones, calling places. Like I called my mom and I was like, like, I don't know, like who else to call. I don't know what else to do. I was like in the local Starbucks, just using their phone. Like, how do I get this bike? I finally took a taxi to this random like bike shop. And this is where just like things kind of connect when you're just so bullish on making something happen as hard as it feels, you know, if you keep going, like, more likely than not, something's going to move into your favor eventually. And so went to this bike shop and this guy was like, Hey, I like don't actually, the owner of the store is like, I don't actually have a bike your size, but I have a friend who's like, you know, an ex Filipino basketball player that could maybe fit your frame. And I was like, okay, like, sure. Otherwise I'm, I was about to rent like a bamboo city bike for the Iron Man. <laughs> I was like, whatever it takes. Um, Anyways, long story short, he he got his friend to let me borrow his bike. He gave me his helmet, his shoes, and it was like, you know, it was these acts of kindness that is really what it was all about. It was highlighting the people that make this journey happen. And I think that these untold stories um, is really what fuels the adventure, right? It was like, if you knew it was going to be perfectly planned, it's kind of like life. If you knew it was going to be perfectly planned, perfectly executed, like, I'm not saying be the extreme of like, don't have a plan, don't have an execute, but leave some room for spontaneity, yeah. leave some room for adventure and you're going to meet some really cool people. And um, yeah, I was forever grateful, but we uh, stay in touch to this day, me and that bike shop owner. And um, he connected me to like the national Filipino tri team. And you know, I got to meet all of them and meet the hosts of the Ironman group and just like, I wish I could share photos with you here because it was like so, so cool. But it was the hardest race as well. It was, you know, for for Celsius wise, it was like 40 degrees, mm. which I don't know in, in Fahrenheit off the top of my head, but it was just like trying to do a race in a sauna. It was just. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I know 40 is pretty far up there, but I didn't know exactly where it was. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was the hardest race. I actually lost 10 pounds during the race. They tried mm -hmm. to pull me out. Um, and I went straight, I, I went straight to the medic tents after the race and was like lying there for like six hours. They're putting IVs into me. I was just mm -hmm. like, felt like such a shell of a human, but, um, definitely the most memorable out of, out of the six as well. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about it. Cause like I ended up in the medical tent I don't know how many times now after my like 70.3s. The first one, um, Eagle Man, which has like no shade on that course. And I was just so out of it, which I, I learned afterwards. It was like the sports drink I was doing was wrong for me. Like I, I was basically taking in twice as many electrolytes as I needed, which is part of the reason we, you know, I came out with this like multi strength uh, electrolyte series, but trying to spend too much time talking about our products um but like 
several of them. I ended up in a, in a medical tent and we were like, my buddy and I raced Santa Cruz, which was, that was a whole, whole adventure. We were, we were staying with like a family friend of his, um, that lived near Santa Cruz and like, they didn't quite get the whole thing. Like, yeah. they're just like, Oh, you're going to go do a triathlon thing. <laughs> and like, they didn't really understand. So like he and I like slept on the floor the, with a couple of nights like lady like they didn't they like we would have just booked accommodations somewhere to have beds but by that time once we arrived like it was too late everything's booked yeah and it was just like what is like what is happening right now and then kind of you know santa cruz for me was such a challenge i had a flat tire before the race even started mm-hmm. the bike mechanics lent me one of their like thousand dollar wheels to, to go on my set to have this like mismatched set my food didn't get i didn't get my like fuel set up on my bike properly so then i didn't have it in transition right so then i like wasn't fueled by the end of the run i was like i had tunneled it literally my vision was going black never had that happen before yeah just like willing myself to get across the finish line end up in the medical tent and you know, the the good and bad things I took away from that was that, number one, I felt more confident in myself. The like, and I, so I'm curious about this. I'm sharing this because I'm curious about the like lessons you took away from your experience on five. I, I felt more confident about myself to like, if I want something, I will will myself through it until I'm dead. Like, yeah. would, but the other lesson is, the same thing if i want something enough i'll will myself through it until i'm dead which is not necessarily a good thing (laughs) so it it it's understand like part of it's just understanding my own nature and knowing that being more confident that i have that in me to do that but also being cautious of that because that can lead you to trouble if you don't do that like preparation and planning like we talked about like trying to be smart and knowing that you know that's a double-edged sword so i'm kind of curious like if you have kind of any takeaways like that for, from your experience on five yeah so i mean the biggest the biggest one honestly was like in that moment it made me realize like i'm actually not doing this for myself like it's bigger than myself you know at that point i was hours off of like my anticipated time you know and it was like man, like, like nobody's here. Nobody needs to know. Nobody knows. Like I'm actually here. I was there by myself. It's like, why do I need to finish this? Like, I feel horrible. I know it's not good for my body. Like, but why? And then it was like, you know, at hour, hour 10, I'm like 5k into this marathon. And it's just like, I can't even run anymore. You know, I'm like so depleted. And it's like, everyone that, is looking at you doing this is, is like, wants, wants you to, is rooting for you, you know, like they've, they've gone out of their way to support you to finish this dream. And it's like having this shared dream just makes things so much more meaningful, so much more impactful. And to me, it was like, okay, I, I don't know if I'm going to even cross this line, but I'm going to give it everything I have because, you know, I have friends back home that, are watching this and people that I don't know that are watching this. And I think like 
when you have a goal that's bigger than yourself or a vision that's bigger than yourself, then it makes you like infinitely more determined to accomplish it than if it's just intrinsic motivation, right? And it's like, why, why do you, why do you need to do this? It's like to prove to yourself, like, so what, you know, it's like, I think the idea is like, if you can show yourself, you can do it and lean on others, they'll, they'll show themselves that they can do something as well. So just having this bigger kind of goal of, or, or lesson of like, it wasn't about me or it's never been about me. And I think that's, you know, after finishing the goal is what I've just kind of tried to highlight is like recognize all the people that sacrificed and, and believed in me. And, you know, for my final race, I got a big number six on the back of my Jersey with um, 84 names of people that, you know, either contributed to my fundraiser, who got, jumped on the call, who helped me with sports nutrition, who helped me with, um, you know, training plan, like, like a volunteer swim coach, because I YouTubed how to swim. And he was like, seeing me show up in the pool every day. And he was, you know, part of the national swim team. And he was like, man, like, what are you doing? Like, I was like, this is what I'm trying to do. But like, I've never formally trained on just YouTubing. And he was like, willing to give his time, you know, just to help me. And I was like, it's all these people that make this goal come to life. So um, yeah, recognizing that. And I think that makes any goal, you know, you know, become bulletproof when you have an army around you. Yeah. Um, Connor, I'm sure we could keep going for a while, but we're going to run down on time here soon. So um, as any listener of the show knows, I ask a singular question to all my guests for a particular season. Uh, this season's question, which I'll ask you now is, how do you celebrate your wins? Yeah, that's that's a great question. To me, um, well, right right now it's it's kind of like reflecting on them, and um, you know, I'm not necessarily an author, but I've been trying to to write about each experience and each memory. I I figure like of a certain per- person or or place that impacted me, I'll reach back out to them and like jump on a call and just like celebrate the kind of small moment that led to the bigger goal so kind of looking back at all the steps um helps me feel you know like this was was this was a we win and not an on an i win kind of there's uh i think you've got upcoming challenges and goals you're you're chasing so if people want to see what you're up to get in touch is there a good way to do that yeah, um, I think Instagram is probably the easiest. Uh, it's just at Connor Emini, and I know you joked about it at the beginning of maybe completing a a, a triathlon on the seventh continent, but that's something that I'm working towards actually right now. So if people want to reach out or learn more or, or even just follow the journey, then um, can always happy to to answer any questions or say hi. Awesome, Connor. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Appreciate it, Jesse. It was awesome chat.